Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double n. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 714 of the podcast and it is Sunday the 17th of September 2023 as I record this. In today's show, I'm sharing my lessons learned from 12 years as an author entrepreneur, which I've done every year, sometimes uh, just an article and sometimes audio since 2008 when I left my consulting job. You can find my timeline at thecreativepen.com forward slash timeline with my lessons learned from each year as well as various other things along the way. And if you do want to go full time at some point, it might help since our challenges often follow similar paths. So the challenges I faced in year one are often the challenges that other people face in year one. So as an overview of today's show, I'm going to talk about why memoir is one of the hardest and most rewarding genres to write, how disruption is inevitable, and if you don't disrupt yourself, you will be disrupted, and how this year has been pretty disruptive for me, as I have firstly disrupted my creative process with generative AI tools, and I've also disrupted my publishing and marketing processes with Kickstarter and Shopify. I'll also share some percentages around my various income streams and how much of my income comes from Amazon, as well as other sources. So that's coming up in the main segment of the show. So in publishing and book marketing things, well, the Alliance of Independent Authors blog at selfpublishingadvice.org has a comprehensive article this week on finding readers. And the first tip is understand your reader and your market, which is easier said than done. And I spoke to someone this week who was really struggling with this and it, remind, it reminded me of how hard this actually is. We kind of say, oh yeah, know your reader and know your market. But it's super difficult when you're, especially when you're starting out or if you have a new genre. So, you know, what is this book? What genre is it? Who might be interested in it. And I thought I'd just reiterate the tips I gave this person because it's so important. If you want to get a traditional publishing deal or if you want to self-publish, you have to do this. <laughs> and it comes back to comps or comparison books. What are five to ten books that are like the book you want this to be? And these need to be modern because you want to go look at them on Amazon. Yes, there are loads of other stores, but the Amazon categories and the covers and the sales descriptions uh, are really useful in figuring this out. And you also need to read them. It's still surprising to me when people say they haven't read a load of books in their genre because, yeah, I mean, I think we write the books we need to read often or we want to read, but you still need to understand where your book fits in the ecosystem. And uh, I often say, you know, go and have a look. I take screenshots of the covers and I make like a PowerPoint deck with the different covers that resonate with the type of book I'm writing. I did this, I do this for a lot of books um, with my cover designer, Jane, but it also helps to figure out where your book fits. Uh, 
So yes, you also need to be really honest about whether your book is like those books. Um, Often we are doing this with a sort of ideal in mind, but you have to really look at it and go, okay, is my book really like that book? Um, And figure out whether the audience for these other books will be an audience who like your books. You also have to switch your head around. That's how I explain it. So you're the author. Think about the sort of two heads looking at each other. They are looking in opposite directions and it's really hard to do. I understand that. I still find it difficult. So as the author, you're kind of there and you're doing your creative thing and you love love your book. And, and then what you have to do when you're trying to figure out this market question, understand the reader and your market, is almost turn 180 degrees and become a different person. You have to become the reader because someone who doesn't care about you at all is going to see your cover, read your title, hopefully read your sales description, and then either click to sample it or click away. And we talk about this a lot. um, But I do remember uh, when I talked to this person this week, I I remembered how hard this is. And yeah, something has to attract the potential reader. And I am finding that my memoir, Pilgrimage, is doing this really well, which I'm truly grateful for. You know whether or not you want this book very fast. And if if you're, I mean, obviously you, you are listening to this, you're in my audience, you either have probably bought Pilgrimage already, <laughs> or at least you know about it. And if you haven't bought it, it's because you think, I don't want a book on Pilgrimage. And what's so great about keywords on nonfiction, I mean, this is a memoir. And what's so interesting is originally, this book was called Untethered and it is a book of my heart. It is kind of half memoir, half travel writing. Um, and I didn't write it to be keyword specific, but when I was look, trying to look at it from a marketing perspective, I knew, for example, that I wanted solo walking in the subtitle. So it is, um, it, but I, I knew I, I thought I wanted sort of untethered in the first bit, but then pilgrimage is what it really is about, is about walking three ancient ways. And so calling it pilgrimage has made it so much easier to market. And uh, something for you to think about when you are considering how to do your book. And obviously that's a non-fiction example, but it's the same for me as a fiction reader. If I see a book title, I mean, my book titles are a classic, I mean, because it's the type of book I buy. Crypt of Bone, which was is my second novel, End of Days, Valley of Dry Bones. Any title that to me resonates with language that implies religion is something I'm going to buy. And I think when I was reading this article on the Alliance of Independent Authors blog, I I, th- I just had this realisation of how difficult these tips are. So don't worry if you're finding this hard. This is hard. <laughs> Some of the other tips include deliver on reader expectations, speak to your readers through trusted voices, uh, which includes influencers, podcasts, that kind of thing. Drive traffic to your books in various ways and stay informed, experiment and adapt to new methods. This article has lots of good advice and ends with the key to success in self-publishing is a combination of great writing, effective marketing and patience. And uh, I know this is easier said than done, but as I guess I'm talking about in my 12 year full time episode uh, and I've been doing for years now, it's just a case of taking little steps each week, writing a bit, learning something new, implementing it, repeating that and importantly, enjoying the journey because what is the point otherwise? And a lot of people who leave 
the writing industry is because they're not enjoying it anymore. And I think that's super important as to making sure you can do this long long term. You can do these sort of surge efforts. So, for example, coming up to my next Kickstarter, it, there's a surge of effort. But if you're not enjoying most of the time, then, um, you know, maybe <laughs> do something else. <laughs> but yes, I thought I'd mention this today, this sort of switching your head around because many of the tips are easier said than done and revisiting this on every occasion on every book we write is so important so links in the show notes so in personal news i got my main edits back on writing the shadow thankfully they weren't significant which i knew because i've written a lot of books now but and also my second full edit my own self edit was pretty significant <laughs> I mean, I really did do a lot of work in those personal edits, those self-edits before sending to Kristen. But also Kristen acts as a first reader for me. And I think this is how many of us develop a relationship with an editor over time where uh, we trust them as a sort of first reader and a sense check, especially when a book is a bit different. And I asked Kristen, I was like, okay, I need you to, she does little notes and things with responses to stuff. And I'm like, look, you need to tell me if I'm going to like destroy my reputation with all the personal stuff in it and she said I won't so that's good so you're lucky for me I will be publishing this book which is good Uh, it is back with her for final proofreading and this week I will be uh, doing a lot of finishing energy stuff I'll be uh, doing the ebook formatting the ebook and sending it out to some various people who I'm going to be on some podcasts in October I'm I have uh, we did a prototype so I'm just waiting for that to arrive but there is a prototype of the hardback with a sort of 90% version of the book with the foil and the ribbon so I can do promotion pictures for the kickstarter but also get the final costing and the shipping which is so important for doing a kickstarter and uh, that edition so it's a hardback it's going to have gold foil on the cover ribbon uh, a black ribbon and also will be signed that will only be in the kickstarter so there will obviously be other editions out on my store and on the other stores later on but this one will only be in the kickstarter so if you're interested sign up at thecreativepen.com forward slash shadow book and that is the pre-launch page and uh, I've mentioned before but this is such an important part of the Kickstarter process. Also, I am having a much needed break, which I am very happy about. We are having a walking holiday in the Norwegian fjords. And uh, this will be my sort of I I guess since finishing my pilgrimage, doing my Camino last year, I haven't done a really massive walk. I mean, this isn't necessarily a massive walk, but it is multi-day walking, somewhere new, active relaxation. And that's what I need because if if I'm anywhere near a desk, I'm going to work. So yeah, looking forward to that. I will post pictures on Instagram and Facebook at JFPenAuthor if you want to check out where I am. And yeah, really looking forward to that. So thanks for your emails and comments. Carrie Sutcliffe265 said on Joanne's interview about audio drama on YouTube. Yes, this is the episode I've been waiting for. My husband and I are narrators and new authors in the hopes of writing our own audio drama that are the voices we want to record. This is a gem. Thank you so much. That's brilliant, Carrie. I think that's so good. I actually met someone uh, last week who... Uh, is a, is an act 
an, an actor and I said that she was talking about various things and I said oh she had a lovely voice and I said have you considered being a narrator and what I think you and your husband are doing which is writing your own IP and then also performing it this is brilliant this is a, this is the best idea uh, so yeah great all the best with that and uh, Ian said on Holger's interview, I really enjoyed this episode. Holger talked about a lot of things I can relate to, which was fantastic. And on X, Centromica Kakuri said, I loved hearing about the background and the technical aspects of audio drama of Everyone's Happy, how it came together and advice for audio drama creation and promotion. Fantastic. So you can leave a comment on the podcast show notes at thecreativepen.com or on the YouTube channel, or you can message me on X at the Creative Pen, which is once again my main social media platform, or I'm not really on anything much, uh, or email me. Send me pictures of where you're listening, joanna at thecreativepen.com. I love to hear from you. It makes this more of a conversation. So this episode is sponsored by Pro Writing Aid, because however you choose to publish, whether you go direct to readers or you self-publish or you want a traditional deal, you need to make your book the best it can be. So Pro Writing Aid is one of my absolute must-use tools in my writing process. I should say that I used to use Grammarly and I moved to Pro Writing Aid. And uh, years ago now, obviously, but I wanted to mention that. I use ProWritingAid recently, obviously, for writing The Shadow. So essentially, I open ProWritingAid on my computer, then open my Scrivener project within it, and I work through each chapter, which I find more manageable than doing a whole document. It suggests improvements, and I don't accept all the changes, of course, but it helps me find lots of problems or ways to simplify or just different words. And of course, it integrates with all the writing software, um, Word and um, Docs and everything. ProWritingAid knows all the rules of editing and helps you apply them. And of course, you can choose not to make the changes as you like. I should also say you can save a style guide as well. So if you have a style guide for a series, uh, you can save that and apply those types of changes. It helps with making your writing more active, find repeated words, find words you could improve, looks at sentence structure, grammar and punctuation issues, as well as typos, spacing problems and more. And essentially, I do this at when uh, before I print my first draft, then I do my hand edits, put them back into Scrivener, then I run ProWritingAid over it again, again do a hand edit, then put them, the changes back, and again I, I ran it before sending it to Kristen. Because won't an editor do all this? Couldn't Kristen have just done all those changes for me? Well, yes, they can, but I would much rather pay my editor to fix the things that software can't and to address the manuscript on a much higher level. If an editor has to check loads of tiny things, they are not going to be able to appreciate your manuscript as a whole, which is what I want from my editor. And as brilliant as ProWritingAid is, it can't read that whole manuscript and comment on bigger issues like character development, inconsistencies or plot holes. So I use ProWritingAid as my essential editing tool before sending to my human editor. So you can check out the free edition or get 25% off the premium edition by using my link prowritingaid.com forward slash Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A. That's prowritingaid.com forward slash Joanna. 
So this type of corporate sponsorship pays for the hosting, transcription and editing, but my time is sponsored by my patrons. And they especially support the in-between episodes on AI and other futurist topics. And if you are a patron, I have sent out the Q&A for this month, so you would have got that. And if you join the Patreon, you also get all the backlist of the Q&As and also uh, videos on uh, Midjourney, on Claude 100k, which I've been using lots for actually now. And I'm especially grateful to patrons who have been supporting for years and for months. You're all amazing. And thanks to new and returning patrons this week, Mark Nolan, JM, Eileen Amosa, Diana Townsend, Leah Little, Dr. Catherine Forte, Ed James. Hi, hi, Ed. Ed's been on the show talking about crime fiction. Christopher Eden, Tara Marlowe and Devorah Gray. I really appreciate all your support. Um, it really, it demonstrates that you find the show useful and want it to continue, which, uh, yeah, it means a lot financially and emotionally. <laughs> so yes, if you join the Patreon, you can get all the backlist Q&As. And uh, also we're having a meetup at 20 Books Vegas if you're going to be there. Um, so all of those details are there on Patreon. You can support the show with just a few dollars or euros or pounds or whatever your currency is usually less than a coffee a month or a couple of coffees a month if you're feeling generous. And I do drink a lot of coffee. You can support the show at patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the creative pen. Right, let's get into my solo episode. Lessons learned from 12 years as an author entrepreneur. So 12 years ago in September 2011, I left my day job to become a full-time author entrepreneur. And every year since I've reflected on the journey and what I learn along the way. My challenges change and grow with the business and you will likely be at a different stage, but I hope that you find my lessons learned useful along your own author path. You can read and listen to many of my lessons learned from previous years on my timeline, thecreativepen.com forward slash timeline. And remember, just like everyone else, I started out by writing my first book with no audience, no idea what I was doing, <laughs> no email list, no podcast, no income in 2006. And then it took me five years to go full time in 2011. So uh, and I've been doing these kind of lessons learned since with time and persistence, lots of things are possible. So lesson one, memoir is one of the hardest and most rewarding genres. I've been flirting with the idea of writing memoir for years. I've done many interviews uh, on it, lots of them on the podcast, and I have reams of more personal writing in my journals and also in various draft Scrivener projects. I've shared personal anecdotes in all of my non-fiction books, but the closest I've come before to memoir-ish writing is The Successful Author Mindset, which is a very personal book in many ways. But Pilgrimage, Lessons Learned from Solo Walking Three Ancient Ways, is my first true memoir, combined with some practical lessons for solo walking and tips for tackling multi-day pilgrimage walks. That book was years in the making and the draft, the, the big first draft, was around 100,000 words and I cut over 50% of it in the end, as I discussed more with Marion Roach-Smith in a recent interview that you can go back and listen to. I was so scared of publishing it, fear of failure, fear of judgment, 
I was scared of being seen. I was potentially, well, I was scared no one was going to buy it. And, you know, I'd take a hit to my reputation as someone who can sell books. <laughs> uh, it, it didn't fit with either of my brands and my existing body of work. When I was about to hit launch on that Kickstarter, I was terrified. My heart was hammering. I hadn't felt that nervous and terrified really for a very long time in terms of my writing. But I am so glad I gave Pilgrimage the time it needed, the years of preparation, the years of writing, and also the launch, uh, launching it in a way that honoured the book, as well as the chance to make a a beautiful physical product that has really shifted my mind as to what I can do as more of a publisher, really. What I can do as an author but also what I can do as a publisher in terms of the product. Pilgrimage has been transformational to write and marks a new focus for my writing. It released me because all those fears that I had, I faced and it turned out okay. (laughs) Nobody has had a go at me for what I wrote and the world hasn't come crumbling down and it released me so I could finally write my shadow book, which many of you know I've been talking about for years. I mean, I've probably been talking about it since I started this podcast in 2009. So writing the shadow, turn your inner darkness into words uh, will launch on Kickstarter 9th of October. You can sign up for the pre-launch at thecreativepen.com forward slash shadow book. And I really think I could only write that book because of Pilgrimage. And it's just like something's shifted in me. And yeah, it's much bigger than I can really talk about just in this episode. But I will try to do that in my end of year uh, post. Pilgrimage has also made far more money than I expected a book on pilgrimage to make. The Kickstarter made uh, over £25,000, which is around US dollars And I've sold 1,350 copies across all the stores so far uh, up to the end of August 2023. And it's an evergreen book. So that's just the beginning. I never you know, I expected it to sort of sell regularly every month because pilgrimage is something that I know. um, And there's a chapter in the book when you feel the call, you do feel a call to pilgrimage. That is what happens. And when you feel a call to pilgrimage, you start buying books (laughs) on pilgrimage. (laughs) Sometimes that call will happen over decades like it did for me. I, I, I first felt a desire to go on pilgrimage when I was about 18 or 19. And it took until I was in my 40s to start doing it. So yeah, I think the book will keep selling because it tackles an evergreen topic. And the special hardback with colour photos is selling well direct from jfpenbooks.com. And uh, essentially, I've just got some auto meta ads on it. So essentially, you just you upload some pictures. It's a generative not generative, it's like a dynamic creative. You upload a number of images, you upload a number of texts. And then uh, all I put on it was UK and over, I think I put over 40s. (laughs) UK over 40s and just set it running with a budget. And it's selling every day direct to my store, which is just fantastic. It's finding people. Um, One of the benefits of selling direct, of course, with advertising is you can optimize on conversions. So the it just gets better and better as the algorithm learns 
the type of people who want to buy a book on pilgrimage. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking of expanding those ads out over time, something I will be thinking about next year. Okay, so writing this memoir has been rewarding creatively, emotionally, and also financially. So if you have a book of your heart, a book you know only you can write, whatever the genre, please make the time to write it. There's too much of an obsession with speed in the indie author community, but memoir is something that can take a very long time to write. I feel like parts of the book, parts of Pilgrimage, I've been writing for decades, like I said, and uh, I had to make the time. And yes, I'm going through the whole midlife fun, um, but you never know how it will turn out. So wherever you are in your life, if there is a book of your heart, if you are called to write something, then please write it. And I know it will be difficult, but hey, important things are difficult and they take time. (laughs) So yes, that's my first lesson, which is finally during the memoir has been really important for me. Lesson two, disruption is inevitable. If you don't disrupt yourself, you will be disrupted. So back in 2013, I watched a clip of Jeff Bezos on a 60 Minutes special where he talked about Amazon being disrupted, more recently cited in an Insider article and many other things. He said, companies have short lifespans and Amazon will be disrupted one day. I don't worry about it because I know it's inevitable. And I think actually Jeff Bezos probably disrupted Amazon himself by putting um, Andy Jassy in, uh, who headed up AWS, the Amazon Web Services, the tech side of Amazon. And it has become quite a different company since Jeff Bezos ran it. But I took note of Jeff's words back then. So that's a decade ago when he said that. And I took note of it because I'm always thinking ahead, sometimes years into the future and preparing for what might come. And I'm so glad... um, I'm thankful to uh, Sasha Black for pointing me in the direction of Becca Syme talking about Clifton Strengths because it really helped me to learn that I do have futuristic in my top five Clifton Strengths and it helped me to sort of lean into that a lot more. And I, I, I didn't realise that it was unusual to play out scenarios in your head as to how things go in the future and it's also I'm just going off script here but it's it's helped me in my marriage with Jonathan because he isn't like that he doesn't when he says something about maybe you know let's do this I immediately work out ways to achieve that (laughs) and I've learned that that sometimes that might just be a throwaway comment and I don't need to go forth and achieve that thing in a certain amount of time so maybe if that's you as well sometimes futuristic can be a bit dangerous because we're uh, it's sort of preparing for what's happening in the future, always forward facing. So yes, anyway, in 2021, I read Aidan McCullen's excellent book. I've recommended it several times. It's called Undisruptable, a mindset of permanent reinvention for individuals, organisations and life. I absolutely recommend that book. I think you should read it or listen to it. And uh, yeah, I've, I, I, it's one of those books that I read again because I think at this time in history with so much going on. So that's Undisruptable by Aidan McCullen. And he has a podcast as well. And uh, he's got a lovely accent, lovely Irish accent. So have a listen to that. Uh, Anyway, in the book, he goes through the different phases of a company. And one section struck me in particular. And this is towards, I guess, the end 
of a life cycle of a business or a business model. Phase five is where organisations and individuals stagnate, decline and decay. They compete on marketing spend rather than product innovation. They compete on price rather than demand. They facilitate price cuts through job automation, optimization, and me too propositions, where their products become generic. When threatened by startups and competitors, they resort to regulation and litigation rather than creativity and reinvention. So does that ring any bells for you as to where we are, I guess, in the business model of the indie author business model, basically, has been pretty similar since 2008 when Amazon launched the International Kindle. New platforms and tools and tactics have emerged, but indie authors have mainly focused on publishing to retailers and marketing that focuses on driving readers there to those stores. And 15 years later, we are in the inevitable disruption So here's how things have, and again, I've been talking about this kind of thing for a couple of years, but this year between September 2022 and September 2023, things have really shifted for me. So here's how things have accelerated. So A, I've disrupted my creative process with generative AI tools. So we've all been using AI tools for a long time. Amazon, Google, Meta, Spotify, TikTok, as well as sort of things we use every day on our phones like GPS. Uh, Pretty much every tool we use online in some way incorporates an aspect of AI. But while I've been talking about AI tools specifically for creatives since 2016, when AlphaGo beat Lisa Dole at the game of Go with Creative Move 37, uh, uh, look up Move 37 if you're interested in that, it's only in the last year that we've seen an explosion in usable generative AI options for the day-to-day activities of authors. So now I'm using, so realistically, in the last year, this is what's changed. I'm now using ChatGPT for all kinds of things. Claude2 through Poe.com, P-O-E.com. So that's Claude2, the model. And Pseudowrite as creative collaborative co-pilot tools to brainstorm chapter topics for nonfiction, plot ideas for fiction, come up with book title options. Oh my goodness, so useful for writing the shadow and the title and the subtitle. I got lists and lists and lists of options and then uh, worked with my my patrons to come up with a short list uh, before deciding on one. So that was absolutely between. And what I also find, just a little tip, is that I find ChatGPT and Claude 2 have quite different, I'll say, brains in inverted commas. And so I tend to use them both and they come up with different things and then I combine them and that and that sort of thing. Also, uh, these models are particularly good for lists of things. So even for writing the shadow, which I, I did not use any text generation in the book, but I did use a lot of ideas. So for example, I um, I wanted to use some um, various things, uh, you know, to do with Shakespeare and other literary things around the shadow. And I asked for lists. So I'm like, uh, what are, give me a list of Shakespeare plays and Shakespeare quotes that are around the shadow aspects uh, of humans and it gave me things obviously I checked them but that type of thing the models are really good for lists of things generate or improve book sales descriptions I'm definitely doing that now generate or improve ad copy 
absolutely, generate character point of view ideas for specific situations based on their expertise. I know that sounds quite specific, but in Catacomb, I had a, a wonderful situation where I had three, well, I say wonderful, I would, it's my story, but I had three characters and I'd written them into a no-exit cave. So they're in this no-exit cave at the bottom of this massive waterfall, so they couldn't, they really couldn't get out of there. And what I had, three different characters, three different backgrounds, and I asked, um, I think I was just working with ChatGPT on this one, how would an urbexer, an, an urban explorer, get out of this cave with no exit and use the language they would use to assess the options? And it was writing options from character point of view that uh, using language that I needed to know to write a better story. So that's something I'm, I'm finding useful. Also, getting ideas for prompts that I can use with AI image generation. So this is another tip. If you are using Midjourney or Adobe, be Firefly or any of these other generative image tools, then you can ask, you can work with the AI, the other text tools to come up with better prompts, which I find really useful. So absolutely, I heavily edit anything from the models, um, but I find working with them to be transformative for my creative process. I am having the most fun time ever creating with them, and I am so excited about my next 15 years ahead. So yeah, this is my kind of 12 year full time, but I, I, I almost left the industry. I mean, I'm, I've kind of mentioned this, but a year or for the last couple of years, and again, it's a lot to do with mid, midlife stuff, but I, I looked at retraining. I looked at getting a job within AI industries, going back to consulting, maybe do, going back into psychology, all this kind of stuff. I looked at it because I, I was frankly bored with what was going on. And then all of this stuff exploded and I am so excited because I can finally see that a lot of the creative vision that I didn't feel I could achieve any other way, I now can achieve. So yeah, I am just having a brilliant time. I'm also using Midjourney with a paid professional commercial license. So basically, if you pay for Midjourney, you get a commercial license. As an AI image generator, I use them. I use it for fun. <laughs> So one of my most fun things, I log on to X and I find an image prompt I like. I follow a whole load of AI uh, people, AI artists, uh, and also on Instagram. And then I try it out as a way to expand my knowledge. So I'm like, oh, I really like that. And they people share their prompts. I take the prompt, I put it on mid-journey, I adjust it. And I never, by the way, I never use any artist name or a um, IP name. So I would never use Disney or Pixar. I would never use um, an artist's name in my prompts. Um, but I am, I'm an amateur photographer and the rest of my family are pretty much visual artists. And so visual art is a thing I, I really care about and I, I've just never been able to to do. So this is really fun for me. Um and I prefer to create rather than scroll. So I really enjoy that. So that's just for fun. And then blog post header images. So every blog post on the Creative Pen, every podcast episode uses a mid-journey image and has done pretty much for the last year. I cancelled my stock photo site um, subscriptions in order to generate things for myself. I also use the um, mid journey for book cover image elements that I talked about uh, with Damon 
uh, a couple of episodes ago or last week, whenever it was. <laughs> so in the same way I used to use stock photos, I now generate my own photos, send or my own images, send them to Jane, my human designer, to incorporate as part of the cover. And I've been through how I do that before. I also do images for inspiration for my characters and settings. If you go on jfpenbooks.com, the images you see of characters in the header there are from Midjourney. Also add images using uh, Meta, uh, on Meta using AI um, images. I'm also looking at how I can use them on Pinterest. I had a meeting with a a Pinterest guy last week um, to talk about how to use it there. There's certainly no restrictions there. So I'm really looking at moving into Pinterest next year. In fact, I I will say if you're someone who's an expert on Pinterest, please let me know. Email me joanna at thecreativepen.com because that is definitely something I'm interested because again, the integration with Shopify is so good with Pinterest. So I've always disclosed my use of AI tools. You know it. I have been talking about it way longer than anyone else. And I've always disclosed my use on my podcast, on my blog, within my books, in the author's note at the back of the book. I've always done this even before it was uh, necessary. And also on the covers of a few AI narrated audiobooks I've produced. I am a proud AI assisted artisan author. A4 to those in the know. Uh, And so I'm happy to disclose and I'm happy about the new Amazon KDP AI guidelines and the Kickstarter guidelines. I think they are done for all the right reasons. Very happy about that. If you'd like to read or listen to more conversations on AI, go to thecreativepen.com forward slash future and you'll find lots there. B. I've disrupted my publishing and marketing processes with Kickstarter and Shopify. So back in 2008, I was laid off from my IT contract along with so many other people during the global financial crisis. It was my only source of money, and I swore then I would never let one company control my entire income again. So I've never relied on Amazon as my primary source of total business income, but it has pretty much always been my primary source of book income income. And I split these two out because I am an author entrepreneur and I have multiple streams of income. So book sales are not my only income. So this was the year I decided to try and change that or at least make a dent in it. As in to try to overtake Amazon for my primary source of book income. Did I make it? Uh, You will know by the end of this. So to be clear, I love Amazon. I'm a shareholder. I hold shares of Amazon. I'm also a happy customer. I've also been publishing on KDP since 2008 and intend to continue. My books are still on Amazon in every format, every standard format, not the special ones, and will continue to be. But it won't be my primary focus. In last year's lessons, I started talking about my slow pivot to what may well be the next business model direct to consumer first and then wide publishing on the other platforms. So I've taken that a lot further since then with two more big moves. So my first Kickstarter, and I see many more in my future, but the first one for pilgrimage, which was in um, January, February, it was in February 2023, 
Pilgrimage, lessons learned from solo walking three ancient ways. As I mentioned, it raised uh, over £25,000, around $32,000, gave me the opportunity to create a beautiful hardback book with full colour photos. And I did a whole episode on my lessons learned from the Kickstarter. So if you want to do a Kickstarter, please go through those lessons learned because they helped me a lot. And what I'm actually finding with the second one already is that there's a lot of effort in learning a new platform but once you've done it it becomes much easier the next time and I am finding that this time although obviously I haven't launched writing the shadow (laughs) so I'm really proud of the book as I mentioned and I'm looking forward to working with bookvault.app to create more beautiful books in the future you can sign up for writing the shadow at thecreativepen.com forward slash shadow book and the other thing I did was I built jfpenbooks.com as a fiction first store. So now I have two stores. I have jfpenbooks.com and I have creativepenbooks.com. So why I split the stores is really I wanted to give a different experience to my different set of customers. You can also only link um, one email service per brand and I have had two email Um, I use ConvertKit for both, but I have two accounts. And so I pretty much separate these two brands quite a lot already. And uh, yeah, I love JF Pen books. It feels completely different to Creative Pen books. You can have a look yourself. And um, yeah, so I built that. That was a pretty big project in itself. And this separation has also made it much more easy to use the increasingly AI-powered marketing options through Meta and other stores, which find new customers based on conversion. So basically, and I mentioned this a bit before around, you don't need to set such detailed targets. You give it a budget, a goal of conversion and set it running. And when you can manage conversion, which remember, conversion is like someone who actually buys something. You can't measure that on pay-per-click ads with Amazon because someone might click your click, but they're not buy. But with um, the meta integration, you can run conversion ads. So I think this is super interesting and it's certainly working for pilgrimage and just doing experiments on the fiction, which I'll talk about uh, probably in the end of the year uh, thing. So have I been successful in this refocus Okay, so from the 1st of September 2022 to the end of August 2023, so that is uh, 12 months, I made over six figures in pounds in total book sales income. And no, I'm not giving exact figures. This only leads to comparisonitis. Some people will say, oh, she's not making that much compared to someone else. And other people will go, oh my goodness, she's making loads compared to someone else. So that's why I'm not doing the exact figures. (laughs) But I did make over six figures in book sales income. And the percentages are 55% of that was from Amazon. So yes, Amazon still win. 55% was from Amazon, 45% from other sources. However, I have really only just, and in fact, in the last um, month, I was paying uh, someone through Readsy to do my Amazon ads, and I have now cancelled that. So I do have a couple of auto ads running on Amazon ads. I still think Amazon ads are useful for some things. Um, and actually, my I, I have an auto ad running on Pilgrimage. Again, much easier to run. But I've cancelled a lot of my active Amazon ads. So what that means is 55% of the sales was Amazon, but also the, the major marketing spend was on Amazon. 
in the next year, so when I do this next year, I would expect this to shift because I am shifting my marketing spend uh, over to my stores and to um, to some elements to Kickstarter, uh, although I'm, I focus more on my existing market with that. So I don't really do ads for that, although I might this time see how that works. Um, but yes, I feel like in the next year I will switch that around, but didn't make it quite this year. So the out of the 45% that was other book sales, um, I will... So, and I know it's, uh, there are some pie charts on the notes. So if you want to go to the show notes and have a look, the pie charts might be easier. I'm not going to read all the percentages, but the biggest chunk of money, over half of the money was Kickstarter, followed by Shopify. So between Kickstarter and Shopify were 70% of the rest of the income, followed by Kobo, Find Your Way Voices, Ingram, Apple, Draft a Digital, Publish Drive, Foreign Rights Licensing uh, in that. But yeah, so that's, yeah, 70% was Kickstarter and Shopify. So I, I reckon in the next year, I'm going to switch that around. Okay, but that is book sales income. What about total business income? So of my total business, Amazon represents 21%, which I am really happy about because I certainly wouldn't want to lose it and I don't intend to lose it, but it wouldn't destroy my business as much as being laid off in the global financial crisis did. So the other streams of income, um, and in fact, a equal 21% is this podcast which I'm again I'm pretty happy about because the money from this podcast for this podcast comes from hundreds of people all the patrons and also um, the corporate sponsors so why I like multiple streams of income is it's just much more secure so every every week people leave the, the patron uh, the patreon and every week new patrons appear and so that uh, represents completely healthy uh, relationship with people coming and going into the community um, but of course that's hundreds of people I think it's something like 750 people or something on patreon now thank you to you all but that's 750 income streams now they're all small but together represent a big chunk of money so yeah that 21% of total business income from patrons and uh, corporate sponsors of this show also what else is on here uh, affiliate income speaking and course sales and other things like uh, YouTube add income and just random things like that. But yeah, so you can have a look at the multiple streams of income. But yeah, the podcast and affiliate income are still sort of the most significant after uh, book sales. So thanks to all my podcast patrons. And of course, you can join the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the creative pen. And I'm doing much more. We're moving to monthly on the Patreon and I'll be doing much more uh, in the coming year for patrons. Thanks to corporate podcast sponsors. Thanks to my affiliate partners. And thanks to all of you who listen to the show, who spread the word and to who buy my books and my courses and my live events, which I'm going to be doing more of. So after 12 years full time and almost 15 years of blogging and podcasting here on The Creative Pen, I'm still writing, still publishing, still marketing, still an author entrepreneur. I hope you'll join me as I continue my author journey and I hope that what I learn helps you along the way.
So what do you think? Do you have lessons learned from your years on the author journey? I would love to hear from you. Please leave a comment on the show notes. You can go to thecreativepen.com forward slash blog. You'll find um, them there. You can leave, leave uh, an, a comment. You can email me, joanna at thecreativepen.com. You can X me, message me on X at thecreativepen. Yeah, I'd love to hear from you. It makes this more of a conversation. And uh, this, obviously, I've shared a few things. So if you have any questions, let me know. So I hope you found my reflections interesting. And remember, you can find the timeline, thecreativepen.com forward slash timeline with lessons learned from each year. And actually that timeline goes back to 2006 when I first put out, uh, well, when I first started writing really, 2005, 2006. Uh, I'd love to hear about your lessons learned along the way. Remember to leave a comment on the show notes or the YouTube channel, message me on X uh, at the creative pen or email me joanna at the creative pen.com with what you've learned along the way or if you have any comments or questions so next week i'm talking to jeremy bassetti who's been on the show before talking about travel writing this time we're talking about his new project which is a photo book from a trip to bolivia so it's partly a photo book and partly a memoir we talk about the challenges of the trip editing the massive number of photos and putting the text together and how he's making the book and also how he's structuring his Kickstarter. And I want to do a photo book at some point. This is one of the projects I want to be doing over the next couple of years, maybe before I'm 50, which is in 2025. This is one of these books of my heart. I want to do a Memento Mori photo book. I also want to do a Gothic cathedral one. I also want to write this gothic cathedral mystery because I've actually had so many messages and emails from people saying oh yes write a gothic cathedral uh, mystery so yeah I I may well do that I think if I hadn't have become an author well I might have become a psychologist because I did some degrees in that but also (laughs) I I love architecture but I love gothic architecture and no one's really building that anymore So yeah, lots of things I want to create. So my conversation with Jeremy is fascinating. And especially if you're interested in making beautiful books. So in the meantime, happy writing, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time. <laughs>